Oh God, as Pastor John said a moment ago, it is good to be in the house of the Lord together today. We're ready to wrap this up, make it clear, cut out the interference, speak this little heart and all these hearts as well. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Now, look, I, I understand I may not be the brightest crayon in the box. Don't you dare say amen. <laughs> but this I know. Hospitals exist for the sick. True or false? But of course. If there were no sick, there'd be no hospitals. Right? But of course. Yeah, I don't know if you're tracking. That young boy was right. This coronavirus up in China... Do you know that they have, they have what they now call 10-day hospitals? 1,000-bed hospitals being built every 10 days. It's unbelievable. Why do they do that? Because the number of sick is increasing. Hospitals exist for the sick. That's why they were invented. And guess what? Churches exist for the sick. That's why they were invented. I'm not talking about the, the physically sick. I'm talking about the spiritually sick. Those are the kind of people, oh, by the way, they're called sinners. Those are the kind of people that churches throw their doors open to. Y'all come in and join all the rest of the sinners already here. Jesus told a story once upon a time. You may have heard it. It's about two worshipers. The first worshiper walked into the church, came right up here to the front row because he considered himself a saint. And that's no reflection on those of you that chose the front row. <laughs> the, the second worshiper came in. No, seriously, he, Jesus said he chose the, the last row in the balcony because he considered himself a sinner. And again, that's no reflection on the last row. But the one who came to the front prayed to himself, though he addressed God. Oh God, I thank you that I'm not like all those moral sinners out there. You know what I mean? The, 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 the cheats, tax collectors, the evildoers, the adulterers, I'm none of that. Do you know what I do? I fast twice a week. Wow. I give one-tenth of all I get. Wow, wow. Meantime, in the same worship service, on the back row is a worshiper who can't even lift his eyes up. He's so distraught. His eyes are down on his toes, but he too prays. It's a very simple prayer. Oh, God, he prays. Be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, displaying that deep oriental emotion of grief, he is beating his chest as he says that prayer. Jesus then tells us both worshipers at the end of the service, that Sabbath went home, but only one went home saved. It was a man, the worshiper on the back row. Reminds me of a prayer, a very unusual prayer that Martin Luther once prayed. And I'm so glad he prayed it because we're going to pray it today too. Found in, of all places, that apocalyptic classic called The Great Controversy. Let me put it on the screen for you. The, the Prayer of Martin Luther. You see it there on the screen? May God of His mercy preserve me from a church in which there are none but saints. I desire to dwell with the humble, the feeble, the sick. There you go. Who know and feel their sins and who groan and cry continually to God from the bottom of their hearts to obtain His consolation and support. Oh my, 
My God, deliver me from a church that is filled with none but saints. Put it on the screen. That's the title for this last piece in our Love on the Move series. Deliver me from a church with none but saints. Why? Because the church was designed and created to be a hospital for whom? A hospital for sinners. Let's let Jesus tell us himself. Open your Bible to... Matthew chapter 9, the gospel of Matthew chapter 9. This is beautiful. Uh, I'm going to talk while you're finding it. Matthew chapter 9. This is beautiful because this is an autobiographical moment where Matthew is going to identify himself to the reader. Now John, John Boy, when he wrote his gospel, he also identified himself, but he did it with great humility. He did it this way. He said, well, this is the, this is the disciple whom Jesus kept on loving. And he keeps saying it, and we finally get it. This is John Boy that he's talking, he's talking about himself. Matthew, also humble, identifies, this is me, and he gives his name. But he does it this way. I want you to know what, how terrible a sinner I was when Jesus found me. They're both humble to, to, to beat the band. Oh, this is beautiful. Here's Matthew. So Matthew chapter 9, you didn't bring a Bible, grab the pew Bible in front of you. It'll be page 654. You got your device. It's on there. Let's go. I'm in the NIV. Matthew 9, verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. I imagine the words now are spoken with this broad smile on Jesus' face because he knows the boy is going to be stunned out of his socks. He looks into that tax collector's face and he says, follow me, he told him. And Matthew, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. You talking about me? Matthew cannot believe it. The great teacher and heater has just called him to be in his little inner circle. And Matthew got up and followed him. And Luke who wants to make sure that we get all the details, a little postscript Luke throws in. And oh, by the way, he left all. Now that is a big deal because we're talking about a tax collector here. We're talking about these professional cons who milked their fellow Jews out of, out of every dime they could squeeze. Despised, that's what they were, turncoat, collaborators called tax collectors. Like Zacchaeus who began our Love on the Move series. We end with the tax collector with Matthew. Matthew walks away from it all. All that well, filthy rich. He walks away from it. I'd rather have Jesus. I love Matthew for that. Now obviously he didn't give his mansion up. Because he's throwing a party for Jesus, the very next verse. He's throwing a party for Jesus in his opulent home. I tell you what, that little, that little country lane where Matthew built this beautiful edifice has never seen so many stretched limos on that lane in history. Because they've all come. He has called his crooked cronies, his fellow tax collectors, guys, I'm going I'm to introduce you to a man who has changed my life. He has saved me as a tax collector. No. Yeah, you come. So it's a black tie event. They come in their tuxes and black ties, stretch limos. Don't you love stretch limos? Oh, that is so cool. I've never ridden one in my life. They'll take me to the cemetery one day in a stretch limo. That's what they're going to do. That's okay. Just tell me about it when I get to heaven. All of them there. And everyone comes out with a girl on the end of his arm. 
<laughs> These guys are all coming because Matthew says you're going to meet the man that changed my life. So now they're all gathered around the front like, like, where is the guest of honor? The guest of honor hasn't shown up yet. But then finally, down the road, here comes a beat up, slightly faded Toyota Prius. And when the door opens, this unassuming man steps out and Matthew just ebullient with his joy showers Jesus with loving welcome. And of course, all the cronies are pushing in. They're all pushing in. They heard about this man. And you know what they're doing? They, they're saying, hey, can, can we get a selfie right now? Just you and me, Jesus. That's what's happening here. Matthew threw a party. Look at verse 10. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Oh, oh, verse 11. And when the Pharisees saw this, they asked the disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? Mind you, the Pharisees are not inside. Are you kidding? I wouldn't touch this despicably unclean place. They, they, they wouldn't be caught dead at this party. But it's a cool evening. The moon is out. The sh silver shadows cast about the house. They're standing in the windows. Psst, psst, psst. They're motioning to the disciples. They have a question. We just read their question. But I want to tell you something about Jesus. I love this about him. He's just, he, he's just like your mom was. He had eyes and ears on the back of his head. He heard that. He whirls around. I'm going to answer this one myself, fellas. Shh. And Jesus answers it. Look at that verse. Verse 12. And on hearing this, Jesus said, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. So that we couldn't miss it. Jesus inserts three negatives in a row. Watch this. Put them on the screen for us, please. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the whom? But the sick. Number two, it is not sacrifice I desire, but what? I want mercy. Number three, it is not the righteous I have come to call, but whom? But sinners. Not, 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 because you are wrong, wrong, wrong. The church is a hospital for sinners. It's the only reason it exists. Common sense tells us that Jesus is right. The Pharisees, what can they say? Nothing. Hospitals are for the sick, not the well. Churches are for sinners, not the righteous. Religion is for mercy, not for sacrifice. Let's just hang that line of Jesus on the screen in front of our eyes for a moment. What did he say? He said, it is not the healthy that need a doctor, but the sick. And with those words, Jesus powerfully introduces a fresh metaphor for the faith community, for a faith community that chooses to define itself as love on the move, as we have boldly set out to do. For such a community, the church must be a hospital for sinners, which is why Martin Luther prayed the prayer he did. In fact, let's, let's take it one step further. Let's you and me pray Martin Luther's prayer. Okay, let's put Luther on the screen. And we'll pray it out loud, all of us together. May God of his mercy preserve me from a church in which there are none but saints. I desire to dwell with the humble, the feeble, 
the sick, there they are, who know and feel their sins and who groan and cry continually to God from the bottom of their hearts to obtain his consolation and support. The church is a hospital for sinners. I mean, can you imagine a well-equipped hospital when, when, when a, somebody sick shows up at the door, they, they, they say to this applicant, we're awfully sorry, you can't come in here because you're sick. Go home, get well, and then you can come and join us here. I can't imagine a hospital on earth that would do that. Would a church do that? You can't come in here because you got something wrong with you. Go home, get it fixed, come on back. We'll take you in our little fellowship. My, may God preserve me from a church in which there are none but saints. We must pray that prayer like Luther did because the church is a hospital for sinners. Yeah, but Dwight, time out, time out, please, please. Yeah, but what kind of sinners are you talking about? Ah, come on, give me a break. You're not going to ask me to go through this list again, are you? We've already been through this. But you want to know? Okay, I'll tell you. Here are the kind of sinners Jesus must be talking about. Uh, There would be male sinners and female sinners. Young sinners, old sinners. Rich sinners, poor sinners. Heterosexual sinners, homosexual sinners. Alcoholic sinners and non-alcoholic sinners. Drug addicts and ice cream addicts. (laughs) Uh oh. (laughs) Democratic sinners, Republican sinners, and probably a few independent sinners thrown in for good measure. Incarcerated sinners, respectable sinners, black sinners, white sinners, brown sinners, yellow sinners, Christian sinners, non-Christian sinners, Adventist sinners, non-Adventist sinners. I just about, I am just thinking that when Jesus says, I've come to call sinners, he pretty much is speaking about everybody. That's the hospital that the church is to become for these very people that we just thought about. Because we left ourselves off that list, didn't we? We said, oh, he didn't give me, oh, he didn't give me, oh, Yeah. I have not come. Put that on the screen for us, please. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Now listen, I know what some of you are thinking right now. Is this somehow suggesting, Dwight, that we're supposed to be now soft on sin? (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) Can you imagine a hospital being soft on disease? We're kind of soft on disease around here. Are you kidding? (laughs) Of course not. What Jesus is suggesting here is not that we become soft on sin, but that we become big on sinners. And there's a big difference. Love on the move must be big on sinners because we are sinners. You see, now look at, look, look at this is, you really need to be thinking now. There's a world of difference. Listen, there's a world of difference between condemning and condoning, Okay? Many people think that the opposite of condemning is condoning. So to avoid condemning, they condone. To prove that they love the sinner, they erroneously conclude they must affirm the sinner's lifestyle. That's proof. I love you. They say, we want to be like Jesus, neither do I condemn you. The problem with that line, it's a beautiful line, but people only remember the first half. 
There's a second half to it. To that woman taken in adultery, he says, neither do I condemn you. Now, girl, go and leave that lifestyle behind. Please, this, this, this is really, this is hurting you. Is Jesus being soft on sin? No. The opposite of condemning is not condoning. It is loving. Just hold that up there for a moment, please. The opposite of condemning is not condoning. It is loving. You've had five husbands, girl. And I want to tell you something. The man you're living with now, he's not even your husband. Is Jesus being soft on sin? No. He's being very, very honest. But he's trying to love this woman to her Savior. Yo, Simon, wealthy Pharisee that you are, you led that little girl into sin, didn't you? I know. They didn't say that. Simon, I have a story I want to tell you. Is Jesus condoning Simon's behavior? Abhorrent behavior. But Jesus is trying to love Simon to his Savior. The church that's a hospital for sinners is not soft on sin. It's big on sinners. And there's a huge difference. Please, do not misunderstand our Lord himself. And by the way, may I tell you something? It's messy. Oh boy, love on the move. When you're not about condoning or condemning, but loving the sinner to Jesus, it's messy. I mean, emergency rooms, come on, let's be honest. They always are. But you don't turn the sick away to keep the place clean and tidy. And when I said that in first service, the director of a big hospital just across the border into Indiana, the emergency room, was sitting right here. He grabbed me afterwards. He said, do I want to tell you something? Emergency rooms are not messy places. I said, I know, and I've been in a bunch of them. You're right. You're right. But when a sick person is brought in, everybody drops everything, and it's, everything's flying. It doesn't matter how it looks right now. We got to save this life. That's what matters. That's what I mean. It's messy. Oh, boy. When the church is a hospital, whoo, it can be messy, very messy. You know why? Because listen to this. You will not, and this is really important now, you will not always be sure where to draw the line. You say, what kind of line are you talking about, Dwight? The line between groupthink and conscience. What would they say if I stand up for this person? The line between policy and compassion. What will happen to this sinner if I don't stand up for him or her? The line between creed and need. Do I have the courage to elevate need above creed? As Jesus so often did. It's messy. People won't understand, maybe. It will not always be clear where to draw that line. You may even be condemned for it by your friends or your, your family, your colleagues, even other churches. Jesus certainly was. Listen, it's messy. But that's the price to pay to become a hospital for sinners. Like Jesus, we make our decisions tilted, tilted toward love. No matter how messy it turns out to be. Because in order for a church to be a hospital, I repeat, messy may be the price we have to pay to be a people love-on-the-move kind of people. Does any of this make sense? Are you following any of this? No, I'm serious. Does this... Am I being clear enough? Yes. 
Love on the move. Let me, let me, let me put a line written a century ago. This is love on the move for you. Put, put it on the screen, please. Ellen White, isn't this something? The strongest argument in favor of the gospel is a loving and lovable Christian. End quote. Isn't that something? There's nothing more powerful. There's nothing stronger to convince people that what you believe is really the truth than by loving them. Everything we stand for depends on how we love people. We think everything we stand for, can we get the brightest minds on earth to defend our beliefs? No, that will never do. Nobody's won by argument. They're won by a loving and lovable Christian. Love on the move is God's strategic endgame. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. Well, who are you talking about? Anybody that's in the hospital. And everybody outside of the hospital. Love on the move. Can you really live it like, like that around here? Yep. How do you know, Dwight? Because you kept sending stories in this week. I'm going to read some right now before I sit down. Thank you for sending these stories in. Don't quit sending them. I'll tell you something about the website in just a moment. But first, uh, let me put the website up for you. Uh, for those of you that are saying, I, never know, no, I didn't know I could share a story. You're going you're gonna to hear from a college kid in just a moment. pmchurch.org slash love on the move. Okay? You go to that. And it's a beautiful website. Our, our guys in the media team have really designed something nice. And there'll be a little surprise for you at the bottom. And I'll talk about it later. Okay? So let, let, let's go. These, these came in in the last week. Here we go. Here's one from online. We have, we have people all over the planet who join us live Eastern Standard Time at 11.45 every Saturday. And so we're glad to have all of you wherever you are. So this is from one of those. Because it's a community. And Love on the Move is how that community is supposed to live too. So here's one of the uh, uh, worshipers there. I watch Pioneer online each week. One Sabbath I felt moved to reach out and tried to connect with a person who for several weeks shared a prayer request online that touched me. We have become pen pals. We have shared about trials, family, past, likes, dislikes, hobbies and such. I look forward to checking email and getting a happy Sabbath and uh, maybe how was your week kind of email just knowing that there's somebody out there. Someone who cares. I am so glad I was able to connect. God gave me a new friend and I have been so blessed. Love on the move can be done electronically, folks. You don't know how many people are out there who feel like they can't go to their church any longer. Any longer. But there's this little church in southwestern Michigan that they dial into week after week after week. This is important. Don't you think Jesus would think it's important? Wow. Oh, here's another one, anonymous. This is, a, this is a college student that was here just last Sabbath. So this college student loves the Bible, so uh, the college student quotes Isaiah 52, 7 from the message. It goes like this. How beautiful on the mountains are the feet of the messenger bringing good news, breaking the news that all's well, proclaiming good times, announcing salvation, telling Zion your God reigns. Now, this writer writes, how beautiful are the feet of the one who shows love on the move. Well, what's the person talking about? Here it comes. Such were the feet of D. Okay, so she gives, an, she, she gives a, 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 a letter, initial. I don't know who D is. Such were the feet of Dee as she literally ran to love me last Sabbath shortly after the passionate sermon about loving our neighbor. Dee knows about my current situation. She made a decision to love me right now in a practical and selfless way. For me, Dee not only cared about my basic needs, but she allowed God to use her to convey to me how much he cares about the mundane details in my life. 
Thank you, Pastor, for challenging and inspiring us to, to uh, love on the move. And thank you, D, for not hesitating to show me love on the move. Thank you for remembering what the wise man said. Never walk away from someone who deserves help if you can help them now. You go, girl. Whoever D is. You were love on the move on the spot. Somebody said, well, I got to go ten miles away at least in order to be love on the move. You can turn over and do love on the move to your own family. Oh, boy, here's somebody that was at Andrews in the mid-80s. My family spent three years in Bering Springs when my husband completed his doctorate at Andrews University with two children in church school. So this is a graduate student. My husband, a full-time student, and me working in the library right across campus to help support our family. They were the hardest years of my life. One night as I knelt to pray before going to bed, I said, God, what in the world were we thinking? Giving up everything to come here and live in near poverty. And there are people sitting by you right now who are thinking those same thoughts. Might be easy for you, but the people all around you. We gave up everything to come here and live in poverty. And then I made a very brave for me request. Okay, Lord, if you really want us here, please show me in a way that's so obvious I can't possibly miss it. Okay. So the next morning when I went to work, I stopped as I always did to pick up the mail for my department. Included in the mail was a plain white envelope with my name printed on it. Hmm. Inside the envelope was a brief, brief note printed on plain paper that said, thought you might be able to use this. That's all. No signature, no name, but folded up in the note were four $20 bills. Wow, there it was, the answer to my prayer. And it was so obvious, I couldn't possibly have missed it. Now, look, that $80 didn't pay uh, the husband's tuition or the children's tuition. Maybe it didn't even pay for our groceries for a week. But I do know that God impressed upon someone's heart that I desperately needed a spiritual hug, and that person followed through. I never found out who the anonymous donor was. Could be sitting right here right now. But it was truly a love-on-the-move moment those years ago that I have never forgotten. I want to say a word about anonymous givers. They're like God. They don't need credit. God does so much stuff for us anonymously and he never gets credit. He doesn't even tell us. He did it. God bless. Love on the move. Last one. Oh, this is something. Her name kept uh, nagging me, Jennifer, okay? Jennifer is a pseudonym, so I'm reading. It's not her name. She was a girl who had attended boarding school with my daughter. They were not close friends, and I'm not sure I ever met her. Yet I had a sense that I should send Jennifer a check. But where? She had graduated. I didn't know how I could locate her. Nevertheless, her name came to mind nearly every day. While chatting with my daughter one evening, I requested that she get Jennifer's address for me. I became a nagging mother, regularly asking my busy college student to make inquiries to locate the girl she barely knew. Weeks passed, and still I didn't know where to send a check. At last, my daughter pulled through with just enough information. She had learned which Adventist University Jennifer attended, but no address. So, praying, I phoned the girl's dorm at that university, requested Jennifer's mailing address, bingo. I whipped out my checkbook and began to write a check for the amount I originally had in mind, but no, I had a clear impression that I should send a different amount, an amount that was very specific, not just a round number. Since I didn't know Jennifer, I included a little note explaining that I'd felt impressed to send the check. If she needed it, wonderful. If not, perhaps a shopping trip was in her future. I dropped it in the mail with a great sense of relief. About a week later, listen to this, I received the most amazing letter from that sweet girl. She had drawn tears of joy on it. 
Jennifer had been facing a financial crisis that was going to require her to drop out of college. Just before she went to the administration building to withdraw, she felt impressed to pick up her mail at the dorm. And there it was, my note with exactly the amount of money required at that very moment she needed it. Wow. God had been working on this for two months. And then she scribbles down Isaiah 65, before they call, I will answer. Hey guys, is this like uh, something hard? No, it's love on the move. You got stories, you got stories. You're not bragging when you share them. We're going to keep putting one up every week on the website. So keep them coming in. What was that line that we read a moment ago? The strongest argument in favor of the gospel is a loving and lovable Christian. Love on the move, just like Jesus. Hey, listen, I need to invite you. I need to make an appeal. Would you be willing with me at the end of this little mini-series to say, okay, Dwight, I got it, I got it. It's going to be risky. It's going to be messy. But you know what? It's the way God has loved me. And I'm willing to offer up my life to Jesus, to be His love on the move. Would you be willing to? This is a quiet thing. You don't have to stand. But you're just doing it in your heart. I want to be that kind of, I want to be that, I want to be love on the move that way. You know what? If we make a little covenant here, just quiet and private, and only Jesus knows, but if we make that covenant, and I see the, the, little, the little nod in your head, if we make that covenant here, I promise you, I promise you, you won't be able to keep sinners away. You think that's hyperbole, don't you? A little bit of homiletical hyperbole? Let me put this on the screen, then I'll sit down. On the screen, a hundred years ago, if we would humble ourselves before God and be kind and courteous and tender-hearted and pitiful, in other words, full of pity and love, there would be 100 conversions to the truth where there is now only one. You won't be able to keep the sinners away. Why? Because love on the move met him and led him to Jesus. You're his agent. You're his agent. And I'm proud of you. For Jesus. This year. Let's be love on the move. What do you say? Oh, no, come on. Give me another one. What, what do you really, how do you really feel? Amen. 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 Yeah. Pull out your connect card, please. And let's turn this in, invite our ushers forward to receive our morning tithes and offerings. Pastor John has already talked about this, and you put uh, guests, nice to have you here, by the way, you just put the information on the front of the card that you're comfortable with, turn the card over, my next step today is, box number one, I want to help my church become a hospital for sinners by being a loving and lovable Christian. I'm sure we all do, and make that choice. Love on the move action steps. I want to join a grow group. I hope you will. They start up this next week. You see the website there, preemchurch.org slash grow. I have a love on the move story to share. By the way, we're now adding one every day, and there's a new one on there called the Uber. That would be the taxi. The Uber Encounter. It's a great story. You'll see it when you go home and look on the website. But here's the website, pmchurch.org slash love on the move. You got a story to share? Let us know the story. 
So, so what is Jesus saying? I, I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. There's some of you right now that are saying, you know what, I feel like I'm a sinner. I feel like I'm just not high on the scale. Don't worry about where you are. Jesus came because you're a sinner. This hospital exists be- for you and me because we are sinners. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.